1: And we're excited to have you guys back for another episode of the show. And just grateful for all you guys that are listening. And just want to thank our donors. I just want to say mm-hmm. thank you so much for just making this show possible. And so if you're listening to the show right now, you're listening to this show because somebody out there is donating monthly for you to hear this show. And so if you want to be a part of those people... You can reach out to us at thinkingoutloudmedia.com. You scroll all the way down to uh, towards the bottom. There's a donate button there. And just go ahead, click that button. It'll take you directly to PayPal. You can sign up for monthly payments or you can do a one-time gift. Now, listen, any of that, any amount is fine. Uh, I know some people say, well, I can only do $5 or $10 or whatever. It doesn't matter. We just want to get the gospel around the world, and you're making that possible. And so we really, really appreciate that. And listen, if you want to give us some suggestions of topics that you want to hear, or you have questions that you want us to answer, or anything like that, why don't you go ahead and text us? We have a texting line. You can text it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is 248-301-2010, 2010. And you can, like I say, we will interact with you there. And listen, don't worry. We are not going to spam you. We're not going to text you. We're not going to do anything. The only time that we will text you is if you text us and ask us a question specifically, or you want to get into a conversation about one of our show topics. We can do that with you and and, and go from there. Also, don't forget to rate and review us. So if you're on an mm-hmm. Apple device or Google or Pandora, wherever they allow you, to rate and review, please do that. We love five stars. We love four stars. If that's, if, if that you feel like you need to do that. Um, but five stars is amazing. Leave that review for us and we would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us. So you don't miss out on any of these shows. And so thank you so much guys for listening. And so we talked last time we said that we were starting this new series and these shows are going to be sprinkled throughout other shows that we're doing but it's 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 just simply real people real god series and this are these are people that are just like you that maybe are across the aisle from you who have real stories about crazy things that have happened in their life and god's redemption of those things and so we're doing this to encourage you that no matter what you're going through, you need to know that God is present. And this is just not some, God is just not some pie in the sky theory. He's a, he's real mm-hmm. and he works in real people's lives. And so yep. we, we left off with Kristen's story last time we were together and we're going to pick back up this week with Kristen's story. Kristen, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. And so we talked a lot about in the the last show, we talked about some self-esteem issues that she went through, some self-hatred. We talked about pornography, how that opened the door to some self-esteem issues, eventually marrying a man who was addicted to drugs and, you know, kind of that life and what that life looked like. But that's not where her story stopped. There is other things that have happened in her life. And, you know, sometimes we feel like we're just getting, just keep getting the hits, just keep coming. And in a way, this is kind of what her life was like. And so, Kristen, we're just going to jump right back in. So you were in a relationship with this this person, and then I think got out of this relationship and end up moving back in with your parents. So tell us a little bit about that transition there.
2: Yeah. So I moved back in with my parents. We ended up getting divorced. I um, moved back in with my parents, my daughter. So I was a single mom. She was four, four years old, I believe, three or four when I moved back with my parents. And, you know, my relationship with God was at a point where I really needed a community of people. And so I started going back to church regularly as much as I could be there. I joined the choir. I was involved in a lot of different ministries at the church and I'd volunteer there a lot. So I kind of just jumped right back into that, just an environment where I could be loved by people that, you know, believe the same things that I did. And I was really missing that and lacking that in my life up to this point, you know, from high school up until now, um, at that point in my life. And so I started going back to church and getting really, really involved and kind of finding my voice again. And God was beginning to show me the things that he had planned for my life and the the giftings that I had, you know, to lead people in worship and sing in front of people. And you know just kind of be somebody who could bring hope and encouragement to people because i feel like i can see the good in people i think that god's mm-hmm. given me a gift that i can see i can see brokenness and i can see beauty that comes out of it and i can see beauty in people that a lot of people will mm-hmm. think don't have any beauty left i god's given me the ability to see that and so mm-hmm. he was really showing me how to use those things again and it was my life was beginning to be built up so
1: yeah and so you're so you're back in this community of people, and we talked last time and, and if you're listening to this right now and you haven't listened to the first part of her story, I urge you to do that because it's a fantastic story of God's grace, and it'll make more sense what we're talking about today if you listen to the first part. but so you talked about before, you know your relationship with God, you began to get closer to God even while you were in this relationship with this person who was addicted to drugs. But since that time and you got divorced, there was a big difference between having a relationship with God kind of on your own and then being in a community of believers this time around. Talk to us a little bit about the difference of your relationship with God between those two times in your life.
2: Well, I think having a relationship with God on your own and journaling and kind of having your alone time with God and having a community of people that, can help you decipher the lies that you still believe sometimes was crucial for me Mm. because what I realized and recognized within myself was that, you know, when God calls us to like assemble with each other,
3: Mm -hmm. it's
2: also to like help us grow in our understanding of what he might be saying to us. And what I say, what I mean by that is there were still lies that I would believe about my relationship or how I'm a failure and I'm never going to make anything of myself. Because even though I was growing closer to God, I still was listening to those lies of the devil sometimes, or he would tell me, you know, look at you now, you're never going to be able to do anything. You're never going to be able to provide for your daughter, all these things. So as I grew in a church setting, I now had people that said, no, that's a lie from the enemy. So I was growing in those relationships with people and I was having mentors and people that you know, we're seasoned in being able to recognize those kinds of things, mm-hmm. and I needed that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was growing in those types of friendships, and I had mentors that I had never had before. Mm-hmm. And you know, listening to the lies of the enemy were was a big was a big problem for me because I couldn't decipher what was true sometimes—the true mm-hmm. in the Word of God versus just a lie and manipulation, kind of like the serpent in the you know the Garden of Eden. <laughs> there was a little bit of truth there, right? But then. Yeah deciphering that lie was something that i really struggled with and so having that community of people was Mm -hmm. really important and starting Mm -hmm. to have christian friends again
1: yeah yeah so you would consider this part of your life kind of a high point right you were getting back into this community um tell us what happened then like you so the, the again the hits just kept coming so what happened you're in this high point with god you know, you're in community, things like they're going well, and then something else happens.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I was living with my parents involved in church, put my daughter to bed one night and I itched my chest and I felt like a little marble on my chest. Mm. And my mom works in the medical field. And she said, you know, you really should probably go get that looked at. And I was like, whatever, it's nothing. Like my mom is really protective of me too. So Mm. I thought she was like, you know overreacting. Mm-hmm. So I was like whatever, it's fine. But I ended up going and they ended up finding out that it was cancer after they did a biopsy. And the th- crazy thing was is that I remember getting the biopsy done and I was laying in the laid on like the the bed or whatever, I don't know what they call it, but the area where I had to get the biopsy done and on the ceiling was painted the sky. So they had like this beautiful portrayal of like heaven. I don't know if it was heaven, but it looked like heaven to me. It was mm-hmm. sky and birds everywhere. And I'm staring at the ceiling while I'm laying, while they have this, you know, needle injected into my chest to extract the tissue. And I just remember being so conflicted in like being so afraid and confused, but trusting God, but also being scared. It was really a weird place mm. to be in because I'm looking at this picture of the sky and I'm like, this is beautiful, but I'm in a really dark, scary place. And waiting for the results of that biopsy, I don't know. It was like, it was almost like it was like a different time. It's like, I didn't, I wasn't in like reality. I didn't think that it was going to come back as cancer. I really Mm -hmm. didn't. And so I was like, you know, this isn't, it's going to be fine. Everything's Mm going to be fine. And then when I got the phone call that it was cancer, I didn't know what to do yeah and I, ran, I literally ran to church like that night my mom came home and she was she came home came in the back door i was like so they said it's cancer and i'm going to church and i was just like that that was it it was like a very matter of fact conversation was just like i'm going to church this is where i need to be and my mom was like what and she's you yeah. know she starts crying and sobbing and i'm like all right bye mom yeah. i'm going to church and I, I mean Looking back it was kind of it, I felt kind of like I was being very insensitive to her feelings as a mom like she just finds out that her daughter is you know has cancer and
1: mm-hmm. then I was
2: just running to church but I just felt that I needed to be there I needed to be in the house of God and I yeah. needed to pray I needed somebody to pray over me
3: then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so
2: I found out that I had breast cancer I was 26 when I had it wow. the type that I had was very rare for my age and it was a very aggressive form and so that's, you know, it was, it was scary when I got that
1: news. Yeah. Very scary. How did you process that mentally? Like, as you're, you know, like you're saying, you, you heard the news, you go to the church. What does those next days look like for you? Like, just, I I, I assume just crazy turmoil. I, I, you know, like just mentally, but what did those next days look like for you as you're processing through that this is happening? Obviously, you talked last time about, you know, your self-esteem and your self-worth and all of these other things and stuff that you'd already been through. And I'm sure you weren't completely through all of that stuff because you just came out of it. Like, so what, how are you processing through all of this, but also being in a time where you say like, Hey, this was one of the best times with God because I had community and this and all of that. Like, yeah. How did you process through all this?
2: I don't think, I think I realized that I wasn't as healed as I thought I was from my past, honestly, mm. because like your first thought, what I thought my first thought would be and what my actual first thought was, would be, were two totally different things. Because my first thought was, I'm going to lose my hair and I'm going to be ugly. Mm. But that's just the reality. Like, that's like, that's how... That's how deeply rooted my self-esteem issues were and how much I really thought physical appearance was so important. And I remember thinking, who's going to want, I was, I was dating somebody actually at the time. And I remember being so afraid to tell him that I was going to lose my hair because I was afraid that he was going to break up with me. Mm. And I remember not wanting to take the cancer drugs that they were recommending because I was going to lose my hair. So I was thinking to myself, looking back, and God helped me walk through this. Was I was willing to possibly not take a drug that could save my life because of my me losing my hair? Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense, like Mm -hmm. I have a daughter, and here I am, willing to possibly leave this earth and leave her to be raised by somebody else because I was afraid to lose my hair. Like that's just me being totally honest, totally vulnerable with you Mm -hmm. about it. That's how deep rooted pornography
3: Mm. and
2: destroy our self-esteem we're Mm. willing i was willing to possibly not not go through with the treatment that they were recommending
3: Mm. and
2: that's really i mean it's sad to think about like it's sad to think that i thought that but it's just where i was at
3: Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i
2: realized that i wasn't as healed as i i think i thought i was and having to lose my breasts too you know that self-esteem of wow you know that's mm-hmm. like what a woman is, their hair and their breasts. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be attractive to anybody. No one's going to ever want to be with me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so those are my initial thoughts. And then obviously the thought of, you know, my daughter not having her dad now in her life because he was incarcerated at the time due to drugs um, and thinking about her being, having to be raised by my parents. You know, I thought about all those, my mind immediately went to, to that place of leaving her and, not wanting to leave her. So it was a really emotional up and down. Mm-hmm.
1: Really, it was. Did you, so what did that look like telling your, did you tell your daughter at that time or what did that look like?
2: You know, I don't really remember if I, to, I told her I was sick
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I told her I'd be, I was going to take medication, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I was going to lose my hair You know, I did tell her that kind of stuff and just to help. And I I tried my best to not let her see how scared I really was. Mm-hmm. Even though I was very afraid, but yeah, I, I mean, I had to tell her and she, you know, her and I, I, when I told my testimony, you know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, I, I said that the one thing about my daughter that really helped me through this. One of the things was she never changed her view of me. Like I really realized that like, I realized like the love of God, mm-hmm. what the way that she loved me through that, because she didn't care that I lost my brush. She didn't care that I lost my hair.
3: Mm-hmm. Like, she
2: just loved me because I was her mom. She didn't care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. It's like that that childlike love mm-hmm. where they can see past all your your trauma and your what you've gone through. They can see past all that. Mm-hmm. And she really showed me during that process that this is what love this is what love is. This mm-hmm. is it. And
1: mm-hmm. so
2: God showed me through a little child You know, even how I should be loved in a relationship. Yeah. Conditionally. And that's what she brought to my life during that. And it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. So
1: how was the church? So you talk about community, you talk about being in a place where you just weren't alone with your relationship with God. Now you were surrounded by people who love Jesus and who could speak into your life. How was the church how did how did that impact you as you were walking through this?
2: Wow. I mean, I think I saw the body of Christ be the body of Christ. So it wasn't just my church that was willing to support me. It was churches in the area. It was local churches that heard my story. It wasn't just my own personal church that I was attending. It was a lot of other churches. And to me, that made me think like this is a kingdom mindset. This is a hmm. kingdom that we are a part of. It's it's supposed to be a family. And it made me have a lot more faith in what the church is supposed to look like, honestly, mm-hmm. because it was so such a broad response from so many different people and different communities that, I don't know, I hope, I'm kind of trying to explain if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk, I mean cuz obviously I mean you've you you've went through a ton of stuff, I mean hard things. Talk to us a little bit about the redemption. Talk to us a little bit about the healing process through all of this. How did things turn out? So you had to go through surgery, you had to go through all of this. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and kind of what that looked like and then on the back end of that, the healing and figuring out that, Hey, I'm catcher free now or whatever. Like, can you walk us through that a little bit?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was, I've always been like really sensitive to like little tiny, like winks from God. I could, you know, people say like, they feel like God speaks to them through little tiny things. And I've yes. always been really sensitive to that. So mm-hmm. during this whole time, like for instance, Abby telling me there was a moment where I had lost my hair and I was in the bathroom and I was like looking at myself in the mirror. I remember this vividly. Like it was like, it was yesterday. Mm. And, um, I remember crying and just thinking I look so ugly. And she said, I said, I'm just so sick of feeling sick. I'm so sick of being feeling sick. And she said, but that medicine is, is saving your life. Like little tiny things that she would say. My Mm. daughter was a huge part of this process, which Mm. is crazy because I had her This is just how God, how cool God is, because I had her before I was married, and so I had her out of wedlock, you know, Mm -hmm, out of mm -hmm. you know a covenant in with in a a marriage, and it was just a beautiful thing how God used my daughter to speak to me in this moment, in in these moments of my life. You Mm -hmm. know, Abby was a huge part of me realizing that I was beautiful, Mm -hmm. and. I learned so much about myself, just who I truly was. And there was a moment where I I shaved my head and I took a shower for the very first time as like a bald woman, Mm. which was crazy to me. I never felt water on my scalp before like that. you know. And I remember the water hitting me, the the hot water hitting me. And there was a, you know, worship has always been just a part of my life. My dad was in worship and I love to worship God and music and everything. And I was listening to Michael W. Smith and it was the song Let It Rain. (laughs) And Mm. as the song was being sung over me, I believe almost, the hot water was like going down my my head, and I was feeling the water for the first time. And I felt the heat through like the top of my head all the way down to the bottom of my feet. It was like an internal fire. It was very Mm. strange. I'd never felt that before. Mm. And the Lord, the Lord said, like almost audibly, use this for my glory.
3: Mm. And
2: I knew. That the trial that I was going through was not going to be wasted. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what the journey was going to look like. I had no idea, but mm. I knew that in that moment he was telling me, like, use this. Whatever I'm whatever you're going through right now, use this for my glory. Yeah. And yeah, it was a, it was crazy, beautiful, mm. beautiful part with God, time with God.
1: So going through surgery, so you know, obviously at some point you had to do that what was that process like? And I just, I mean, just at mentally, emotionally, like what, how was that for you?
2: Gosh, it was hard. It was really hard. I mean, not even just the physical pain of getting them removed and having like, because of the way that they have to rebuild everything is just, I had to have a lot of reconstruction surgeries, and there was issues, and then I had to go back and forth multiple times, and there is, you know, it's just sure they're, they're building something that isn't there, and so like that whole aspect was traumatic in itself because right. it doesn't look like you anymore, like it's yeah, it's not you,
1: yeah, you
2: know, and so that was really scary in itself, and the emotions that go along with a part of you being removed and you don't look like yourself anymore is just very, it was very traumatic, and you know, going back to the whole like struggling with porn and stuff and the physical aspect of that, I was like, well, now this, this ideal of perfection will really now really never be attained
3: mm-hmm. because
2: I'm surgically removing what I, you know, what the world thinks is so, what makes a woman beautiful and stuff. Mm. And then emotionally, just trying to hold it together in front of people was really hard because I didn't really want to tell people how afraid I was. how much i was really struggling with self-esteem during that time i wore a wig most of the time i was blessed enough with to have people in my life that kind of helped me afford like a a wig that i could wear and so even during that time as much as i was i felt strong and i felt more confident as the days went on i still felt really insecure about wearing a wig Mm -hmm. and if people would be able to tell if it was a wig or I didn't want to take it off in front of people. So I would only be bald in front of like, you know, a, sh- a few a few people that I felt comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so I was still working through the self-esteem issues during that time because allowing somebody to see you like that as a woman was really hard for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it was, it was hard. It was really hard. I realized, you know, that like I said before, that there was a lot that I was still processing and I, I wasn't as whole as I think I thought I was. Mm -hmm. you know, like when you go through trials, sometimes it brings up stuff that you thought you had healed over. And then all of a sudden you're reacting in a way that was like your old self. Wow. I guess I'm not as, I guess I'm not as healed as I thought, (laughs) you know, like,
1: Mm you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, So tell, tell, tell us about the day that you, you found out that you know, and and I'm assuming like, so you, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but tell me about the day that you found out, okay, everything looks decent. We're, you're good to go. You're, you know, you're, you're healed. You're whatever the case may be, because I mean, there's people out there. I mean, I know somebody right now that I'm thinking of who had the same, who's going through the same thing right now. And she's very dear to me. She's like, she's like a mother to me. And so talk about, like that that process of of just knowing that okay everything's going to be okay i'm going to be able to live my life what what was that like for you how did that come about
2: i don't i don't really know if there was like one specific moment i think it was a daily thing where every day i felt stronger and more confident that i was going to be okay and i think i it was very strange because i became so close with my doctors and my doctor is actually my oncologist is jewish and so we talked about god It was crazy how God opened up doors, even the middle of my treatment, to praise Him and talk to people about Him. Mm. And I think that was part of it too. Was like when God said, "Use this for my glory." I don't think I really realized that I was using it for His glory, but I would talk about Jesus all the time to people when I would get my, you know, when I would get my treatments and stuff. And um, I remember like one of my last appointments with my oncologist, where I wasn't going to have to see him like every, you know, few months. It was like almost sad Mm. because, and I I wrote about this. I journaled about it, and I wrote about it on Facebook. It was like a very conflicting moment in my head because I felt excited that I wasn't going to have to see him, but I also felt like the chapter of my life was closing that God had opened for me to be able to share His truth. If that Mm. makes any sense,
1: yeah. yeah. So
2: it was like I was sad that I wasn't going to see my oncologist regularly because I we had so God had opened so many doors to talk Mm. about Him that. I can only really explain it. I guess maybe if I was like a missionary, and if I were to go to another country, and your your mission, your your God called you for six months or two a year, and you're coming up to the end of your your stay. And yes. you're realizing that you are part of something that was way bigger than you ever probably could have imagined for yourself.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: you're leaving and you realize that you're going to miss these people and you're going to miss these opportunities. And you're so thankful that you had that opportunity to talk to these people that God's called you to be with. Mm-hmm. I guess that's really the only way I can maybe kind of understand it is how missionaries must feel when they leave the mission field and when they're sent back home.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
2: know, and, I don't know if I'm kind of going off in a tangent or if that's even answering your questions. This is just kind of what's coming to my head, I yes. guess. Um, yeah. It was, it was definitely a journey. It was definitely a journey. And I, you know, looking back, I can see the steps, but when you're going through it, you you don't really realize you're making so much progress.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think about First Corinthians 3, where the scripture just simply says, I've planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And that's, that's kind of what was happening in your, your life at the time, you know, you weren't there. It's that's, that is a crazy situation because you're like, well, I don't want to be here. Like who wants to be, (laughs) who wants to be at the oncologist? Like no one wants to be there, but by the same token, you're like, I don't want to leave because there's, you, you realize that there was a greater purpose of you being there you know but i love that scripture because yeah some of us plant some of us water and then god gives the increase so we don't know where the oncologist was on his journey but it you could have been the person who planted the seed that no one had ever to really talk to him the way you talked to him about jesus you know somebody else has to come you know it may be the next patient or a patient 3 years down the line who waters that and then God just allows that to grow. And so, you know, even though you couldn't be there forever, which we won't, we don't want you to be there forever, and we don't want you to go back, right? We want you to never, 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 never go back there. But we do know that God used you, your story and your life in that moment to plant a seed. And that's the power of the gospel. Like, that— <laughs> You're going to get me started. But God <laughs> redeems, like, and I've said this on the show many times, one of the best attributes of God is that he's a redeemer. Like, it's it's because as as humans, we're so fatalistic. We we think so, like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. I don't know why this is even happening. Like, I don't want, and God takes all of these things that seem so bad and mm-hmm. turns them around for his good. Even when the story is different than yours, like I'm sitting here looking at you alive and well and vibrant and you know in love with Jesus, but there are other people who their stories went the other way where they didn't survive it. And somebody might look at them and say, "Well, you know, well what what happened? Why why didn't God come through or why?" And we don't know all the answers to those stories, but just like you're a living example their testimony is still living on, and so in no matter the outcome, God knows how to redeem it, and I think that's a, that's the testimony, right? Because yeah. it's ultimately about Him. At the end of the day, right. it's not about us, right. right? It's about Him, and so I love that. I love that re, that redemption that happened there. So, talk to us a little bit about so. We, we we've we've went through your story. We've talked about the re, you know God's redemption. What about the staying power of God in the in the sense that you know today where you are today? You've been through a lot. How do you keep yourself? And and I guess we'll start with pornography. How do you keep yourself in a state where that's that that doesn't overtake you or that doesn't become a thing again, um, in your life. Um, because just because God has delivered us from something does not mean that the devil is still not lurking, right? The Bible says that the devil's like a roaring lion. He's, he's just, um, uh, lurking about seeking whom he can devour. Right. How do you keep, because there's people that are listening right now who's still addicted, who still, you know, their self-worth is tied to Pictures that have been airbrushed yep. and and they're fake. That's just all of this too, yep. it, right? It's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a facade. How do you stay free?
2: Well, there's a really practical tip actually that I I was listening to a worship leader talk about, like self, you know, hatred and stuff like that, or just comparison. And she made a really good point was with, with on social media specifically, like unfollowing people that make you compare yourself to them or if you feel yourself comparing to somebody. So what I did personally and what I still do is like, if I'm following somebody on social media and I see myself comparing myself to them, their body or whatever, I I can't follow them. Or if they, they post something that I think is kind of like eh, iffy, like maybe showing too much skin or something, I won't, I have to just unfollow them or delete them. So that's like a practical tip is knowing that we are, prone to be attacked from the devil. And so making sure that you're setting those kinds of boundaries for yourself Mm -hmm. and realizing that protecting yourself is the most important thing. It's not, it's more important than following somebody that you think is popular on social media. Mm -hmm. So if, if there's something, somebody that I don't think is a good influence for me, I have to just unfollow them and not really care about if they're relevant in culture or not. Like I have to protect myself like that. And then knowing Knowing who you are, like self esteem, is is so important because your your esteem is not really from yourself. It should become it could could have come from God. So like the mm-hmm. even the phrase like self esteem, it's like it's kind of misleading because our esteem should really come from God. It shouldn't really come from ourselves because you can't get steam from a broken vessel. If that right. makes sense,
1: right? So yeah.
2: I think knowing who you are in God, which is knowing who God is, is super important too. So putting worship music on, spending time with Him alone, praying, spending time in the Word, studying the life of Jesus so that you know who to emulate, right? Having friends that are also going to be okay with you talking about this kind of stuff with them. Um, having friends that will hold you accountable. I mean, those are some practical tips, I think. Sure. You know, if, if those are, I can yeah. try to maybe elaborate some more, but I think those are the, the big things that I do. Mm -hmm, um
0: mm -hmm. yeah just to protect myself i guess yeah with well and and with this struggle this is something i've been trying to find the right time to ask with this struggle uh also comes the vanity issue and so inwardly you feel a certain way and i've dealt with this but i'm also concerned on like how can i show off the good parts of me if i'm if i'm not comfortable with my head because i'm bald how can I show off maybe some muscular areas of my body, but not be, because I'm a Christian man and I'm a youth pastor and that, right? And so, how do I do it? And then how do I also hide that I'm doing that, right? And so, I think with me, especially being a youth pastor, there's a lot of teenagers that we have this discussion with where they love the Lord, they serve the Lord, they at times don't even know that they're dealing with vanity, right? Like, they don't know that Pride and the things that like they they want people's attraction and their attention, and so I'll often have times where people are like, "Listen, I don't struggle sexually. I don't struggle with an a sexual addiction physically or online." But then, but you can tell that the human being is obviously struggling with wanting others to desire them physically, right? And that's part of that's unfortunately that's part of the whole lust aspect of things. And so, how would you or? because I'm sure you've had to deal with it. And so how would you, what advice would you give to the person that's like, Hey, listen, it's a style. I like my style. I'm not sexually involved. I'm not acting out in a certain way. And so if people perceive me that way, that's their problem. That's not mine. What would you say to that person?
2: Oh gosh, that's tough because I feel like it
0: is. T- it's t- I got to answer tough. those. And I'm like, um, like teenagers, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> teenagers, yeah.
2: Because the styles no. now are just you know, because I have a teen, so I understand this because the styles now are like very, you know, they show a lot of skin. And it's like the new thing now to wear, you know, certain types of shirts and really short shorts. Or if
0: they don't show a lot of skin, you could pretty much tell what's going on underneath because of how they, it basically is skin. Right? Mean,
2: right. Like super tight clothes and stuff. Like
0: that. Yes. Well, they I think. Leggings.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That too. I mean, I think you have to think about other people more than you think of yourself. So it's not just about us. It's about how other people are going to struggle with, because some, some outfits are like walking pornography, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like pornography out and I mean, it's not, you're not showing your skin, but you're not leaving much to the imagination. And so I think esteeming others above yourself is super important. And then recognizing that my self-esteem is actually coming from how people are perceiving me. Because a lot of people don't think that that's what they're doing, but they are. I Mm -hmm. I can speak specifically for teen girls. Like They're like, oh, I just want to dress like this. Well, no, you actually want attention because you don't really actually like who you are. And your self-esteem is based on your physical appearance. has nothing to do with your spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I think calling that out in girls and recognizing that in them and giving them a safe place to talk to you is really important. Maybe not. Kyle might be hard for you with girls. Maybe that might be something for your wife to talk to them about, but it's, it is really hard because the styles now just very controversial to me, (laughs) you know? so We
0: can always, the thing is like, I can always justify why I'm doing what I'm doing. I just can't. And so I think a lot of times I have these conversations and it seems like an attack seems like I'm being legalistic at times, you know? Because it's like, well, in the church, you just have to, you know, you have to dress different or you just have to this or you're you're a Christian woman. And so, modesty is a big deal. And so, then you get the definition of, well, what's modest, right? Like, does my modesty have to look like your modesty, you know? And so, it's just, I know that it's a struggle, not just with women. It is a struggle with guys. Guys wear things that are flattering to them. The only difference is, is guys don't have boobs and butts like girls do. Let's just be real. And so, it's a little different when a girl comes in wearing something versus a guy, but it's the same thing. There are guys that I look at, I go, why are you wearing that right now? Like, what's the what's the point of that? There are times where I've changed two or three times in a day, and my wife will look at me like, why are you? Well, I'm just not comfortable in what I was wearing. Well, there's a little bit more to it. I don't think I look good in what I'm wearing, and obviously, I want those that... It's a real struggle, though, for those of us that have the vanity issue, and especially when you don't have certain things, you try to promote other things, and so... It was just a question I thought I'd throw out there, just maybe seeing if, if there's certain advice you've had been given or that you have given in the past that would help assist in that conversation.
2: I think just like the humility part is kind of what we're lacking because when you wear stuff like that, you really are saying, I don't really care if it causes somebody else to stumble. I want to, I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, it does. It's hard. I, I understand that because I think. First of all, I think I don't think that there should be a difference of what you wear to church than what you wear outside of church. I think it's you are one person. You're always representing Jesus all the time. So if you are dressing differently in church than you are outside of church, even if you're dressing modestly in church and you're dressing unmodestly outside of church, that's a problem too. Like yep. you should always be representing Jesus. And so I think having kids recognize that and teenage girls or guys or whatever, always having them recognize like, are you the same here as you are outside? that's that's the first thing we need to talk about is you being mm. the same in church as you are outside of church and that's a conversation that can be really hard to have with people but
1: yeah and i think i I, and I think the balance of this because somebody's listening and they're going well i shouldn't have to dress a certain way because guys are just gonna you know they're gonna lust after me and that's not what i'm looking for and blah 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 Here here here's the thing If both men and women are trying to please God, the woman is not going to wear things that is that for the reasons of getting attention from men. And then men looking at those women are not going to, you know, they're going to learn. I need to divert my eyes. I understand that I have this issue or that issue, or I am, you know, men are more visual, right? But that, that those practical steps that we've all learned as men, especially growing up in church, you know, with books like Every Man's Battle and all of that is, look, I I don't care. It doesn't matter that she's wearing this or that. That is your sister in Christ, or maybe it's your coworker, but it's not your wife. Like You know what I mean? Like, it's just those, and I'm not saying it. Listen, I'm not saying this from a ivory tower here by any stretch. I'm saying it. In a sense of that's just the truth. Like we have to learn that we have to deny our flesh every single day. So as a man, I have to deny my flesh. But as a woman, I think we have like the, the same thing has to happen. Yeah, I know you went to the gym and you think you look amazing, so you want to show everybody. But that's not that's not what we do. You know what I mean? That's not what God has called us to do. Is to bring attention to our bodies. Like that's not. That is, you know, there's a scripture, and I, I, I'm not, I I'm, I'm not recalling exactly where it is right now, but it talks about us worshiping creation instead of the creator who is forever praised. And, you know, when it comes to sexual things, a lot of times that's what it is. We're worshiping creation instead of the creator. And we've got to shift our focus from creation to the creator. And when we do that, creation does not become an idol, right? And I, 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 you know, and so I, I just think sometimes we have to bring a balance to it because people out there, you know, people say, well, but, you know, but men shouldn't, I should be able to wear whatever I want and men shouldn't be such balls, you know, balls." Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's,
2: not just, it's not just men though, that like, like, obviously we're talking about pornography from a woman's perspective. Like yeah. you could be, like I could lust after somebody that's dressed like that. It's not just guys that have that struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not just a guy that's going to struggle sexually. If they see somebody dressed like that, it could be a female who is struggling with, you know, in society now, you know, gender, you know, you know, confusion or whatever they're talking about or yeah. stuff that went on now, like struggling with being a same sex attraction or something like you have. It's not just guys that are struggling with that kind of stuff. It's females too, and you have to be sensitive to other people because that's what that's what humility looks like is mm-hmm. putting other people before yourself and protecting other people. And I just don't think that's very fair to for a girl to just say that they can dress however they want and expect you know people not to look because you want them. A lot of people dress that way because they want people to look at them. I
3: guess, yeah, yeah. In
2: my my from my perspective, mm-hmm. so. I just think it's really not fair. And it does cause people to even have self-esteem issues,
3: you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: not even just a sexual thing, but comparing yourself to other people, which obviously you can't completely avoid all of that. Like, even if a girl that I thought was pretty was wearing a paper, you know, a paper bag, right. I could still compare myself to her. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's really it has to be an internal dialogue that mm-hmm. you are aware of that you're having with yourself identifying it as a lie and asking God and being letting him be honest with you <laughs> about yeah. what you need to get better at. Like, am I causing somebody to stumble by what I'm wearing mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and
2: being able to let him say yes and changing if you, yeah know you, have to, you know, I don't
1: know. And, and being honest with yourself too. Like you said, I think in the beginning, that was the key. Just be honest. Like, yep. you know what you're doing. Like, don't like, just Be honest with yourself and just say, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to draw attention or I want to be attractive. And this is the way I feel like what will cause me to be attractive. And truly, as you're saying, even through your story, is you've learned that it's not, there's a lot of things that can happen to a body. And the person that you are is not affected. Like it's who you are as a person not what you have or don't have, or the way you look or you don't look, you know, all of us, obviously, I mean, I think it's a human thing. We want to be decent. We want to be clean. We want to be put together. Like I, I, we, I get that. So I don't want to, I want, when people are listening, I don't want them to think that we're, (laughs) or, you know, we're just not human. Like, yeah, you know, but I think there is a line and I think staying close to Jesus causes you, because that line is so thin and so, it could be so blurred. I think staying close to Jesus and understanding who we are in him helps us not cross that line. And I guess I would ask you, Kristen, like you talked about self-hatred and self-worth and all of that. What are some of the things that you've done or you do throughout your life or checks and balances that you have that helped you through those negative thoughts that would come? Because, I mean, that like like ruled your life for years. And today, you have freedom in Christ. So, how'd you get there? Gosh,
2: it's honestly, it came a lot during worship, to be honest. Like, worship has always been a time where I can reflect and not feel judged by anybody because I'm sitting before God, I'm singing to Him. And a lot of the time when I'm silent, it's him speaking to my heart, and I, I give him permission to find those parts of me that I haven't even seen yet, right? So yeah. it's allowing God the, not like he even needs permission, but it's giving him permission to search you and show you the parts of you that you still need to be worked on. And so it's a continual process, and a lot of the time that does come from worship. Like, I just, I I love sermons, don't get me wrong, I love mm-hmm going to church and hearing you know the word of god preached but there's just something about worshiping god bringing him everything that i have Mm -hmm. even if i'm going through a hard time yes and offering it to him knowing that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags but he still loves us anyway yeah and spending time with him and that's honestly how god has done a lot of the healing is through worship and me spending time with him and sometimes not saying a thing and just letting the, the music be sung over me and just listening and listening for God's voice. Because a lot of the time he is talking and we just are so, we like to hear ourselves talk so much yes. that we don't allow other people, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. Like you have two ears and one mouth and you should be listening a lot more than what you're speaking. Yeah, And I think with God, it, that can be the same thing. Like we just want to always talk at him. Well, mm-hmm. me, I could say that for myself. And I don't listen enough. So just spending time with him, I think worship has been a huge part of that for me personally. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, it makes me think, Kristen, in our last few minutes together, it, it, it makes me think about the song I raise a hallelujah. And it talks about worship being a weapon. And I will say that um, I think it's pretty safe to say that most of the victories that I've received in my life. Has been because I've used worship as a weapon, and I have been freed from a lot of things in my life because of worship. And one of the things that I feel like God has has just impressed on me lately, and and God's I just need I need to find I need to find the path. But he is that Kevin, like you've because I haven't I have led worship for many years, probably twenty plus years. I've led worship and I haven't in the past few years because just life changing and and being at a different church. And, you know, I, you know, they, they have worship people and all, all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that the, that I feel like God has said to me lately is, Kev, you, that's your weapon. Like, why aren't you wielding your weapon? Like, because I've been facing a lot of things lately and he's just like, where where's your weapon? Like that's that's it. Because usually for me, my prayer time it al- almost always starts with a worship song playing. Right? Like I don't go. I go into the presence of God in a worship in a state of worship. And we, I just said this on a, a podcast previously that th- that worship usually changes what I went to go pray for. Like you know, you go in going to pray for one thing and then you find out like. That's just not because God, you know, the song that says "Turn your eyes upon Jesus." Everything else in the world goes strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And so when I when I enter into prayer and worship is is starts me there. The issues that I thought I was going to pray for, I end up praying for something totally different because God changes it once I see who He is and I'm reminded of who He is. And so it's a weapon, and I think that's what. And you might, you might be listening and say, well, I don't sing. Well, I don't play an instrument. I don't whatever. Well, there is a ton of amazing worship artists out there who can sing and play instruments and are anointed. And you don't have to be uh, you know, skilled in music, but you can allow the music that God has has birthed through them to help you through your season. So I think, Kristen, that's powerful, you saying that. Yeah, it's
2: beautiful. I love worshiping.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I just, you know, if you're listening out there, I just want you to know that God is so present. He's there. As you've heard through Kristen's story these last couple of times we've had her on, that even through the midst of her mess, God was there through the entire thing and he brought her through on the other side. And I'll tell you right now, if you saw Kristen and her joy, it radiates through her. When you see her on stage and she's worshiping, you would never know that she's went through all of this. And when I was sitting in the audience, as she was telling her story, she told her story at our church and I was just, I was shocked, you know, but it's usually the people who have went through the battle that sometimes (laughs) it has the brightest has, has the brightest smiles or the the sun shines. It seems like just a little bit brighter through them because they know God they've met. It's not like, Oh, I had this, you know, I know of God. And I read some things in the Bible, like they've experienced God. And it's a total difference when you experience God. So I encourage you, if you're out there let God use your story like he did Christians. You know, you don't need a speaking engagement. You don't need, you don't need anything. You just need God to work in your life and you be willing to share and be vulnerable. And so I just encourage you guys that are out there. You've got a story, get into a church, get into small groups, get into a place where you can share your story with others so that they can be helped as well. So listen, guys, um, You know what? We want some feedback from these shows. This is a new season. If things are different, we're hitting some different topics. Could you let us know if these shows are beneficial and a blessing to you? Just text us at 248-301-2010, 248-301-2010. If you're hesitant, you're like, I'm not sure. I'm sure other people are going to do it. Listen, if everybody says the next person's going to do it, then no one does it. And so we want to hear from you guys. Also go to our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. You can find some resources there. You'll find out about me and Kyle's background. There's booking there. So if you want us to come out and speak at your church or your event round table discussions like we're having today about all kinds of topics, we'll be willing to do that as well. Also on that website, you can donate. So if this is blessing you and you want to give a donation, you can certainly do that on the homepage, scroll all the way down close to the bottom. You'll see a donate button. It'll take you right to PayPal. You could do a one-time gift or a monthly gift of any amount. And then. Uh, just don't forget to rate and review us. If you're listening on an Apple device right now, scroll all the way down, hit that five-star button. Also leave us a review there. We love that. It helps us out a great deal. And so you don't miss anything. You want to hit that subscribe button as well. And if you're on any other platform, if they allow you to rate and review, do that as well. And so Kyle, let us tell them where to find us because we're embarrassingly hard easy to find so we're everywhere tell us yeah well you can find us
0: real quick off of facebook and instagram facebook is thinking out loud podcast we also have a fans page as well where we advertise on and then instagram is thinking underscore out loud just with the ld spelling out the loud you'll notice by our logo and we promote our our um, episodes on there as well again you heard the text message, but you can also comment below the posts. Uh, You can personally message us on there as well. There've been some conversations where, listen, not everybody agrees. We just keep it respectful and we talk about even our own experiences in certain circumstances. And so maybe you don't have somebody around you that's going through something, but, but the topic is definitely something you're going through. You comment on there and then you get a social media group of people who can relate and who can help and who can offer help. So Definitely find us on our social media.
1: God bless you guys. We love you so much. We will see you next time.